today is, um, we're going to finish and wrap up our series on the Holy Spirit. Have we exhausted the subject? Of course we haven't. But I wanted you to get a taste of it. Starting next week is going to be a whole new idea, but I'm going to wait and do that for you next week. For now, we're going to take a look at the Holy Spirit as in the writings of Paul. We're going to put a lot of information up on the screen, and you can either you know, sit back there and take pictures with your phone, or the notes will be with the audio on our church website. They are also going to be on the app, if you use the Fourth Avenue app. So they will be available to you, all right? That said, while there are scholarly debates about which books Paul wrote personally and which ones were written by his students or when he wrote them, almost everybody agrees that Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament. Therefore, he is very much where we get a lot of our theology and where we get a lot of our ideas about what does it look like to believe in Jesus here and now in whatever situation we are in in the new testament remember the holy spirit is mentioned in every book except for philemon and second and third john all of them very very short personal letters when paul writes we see an explosion of information about the holy spirit which is what you would expect please remember the first time we saw the holy spirit he hovers over the waters and he brings light, order, all of that to creation. Well, now Jesus has suffered, died, resurrected on the third day, then ascended into the heavens. We need the Holy Spirit to descend to bring order and light and chaos. Now, now, when I say order, I'm not talking about tradition. Tradition is peer pressure from dead people. Work on it. I'm not opposed to tradition, but I don't want to confuse tradition with God and with God's law. And a lot of people will pull that, well, that's, you know, I, decently in an order means you have to worship the way I want to. No, no. I mean, he, look at the disorder in this room. None of us are the same. We didn't dress the same. We didn't drive the same. I mean, it's all, and what are we doing? We're worshiping God together. The Holy Spirit comes over us and brings us, makes us one. Well, we're going to learn in stages in the writings of Paul. And the way we're going to try to do this is, again, this can be argued in a different way. But here, the majority of scholars date the books of Paul in a certain order. So that's the way we're going to look at it and see how the Holy Spirit story unfolds as Paul writes. In First and Second Thessalonians, the Spirit is associated with the truth. Very short books. Have a look at them, very early books written by Paul, and find how spirit is linked with truth. And that's really important because we are surrounded by lies. Our media lies to us. Our own bodies lie to us. We've got to be careful who we're listening to. Truth. And then in Galatians, in First and Second Corinthians and Romans, they were probably written in that order. And there, was, there were several years between these. But in those, we find that the Holy Spirit is involved in personal and group insight. And he took action in the formation of the early church that giving gifts, bringing order, helping us understand what does it look like to follow Jesus. And I want to really stress something here, the personal and group. I believe that God can speak to you. 
I don't know that he's ever spoken to me audibly because being a, a born and raised in a church as a Christ, I probably couldn't handle that. But I've had messages in my head that I know, all right, that came from off-site. That came elsewhere. But what if it's a little bit controversial? Then take it to the group. So make sure you're not the only one here in it. And if the group looks at you and says, Patrick, that's stupid, accept the group. Because intelligence is a function of DNA, but wisdom is a function of what group you choose. And the wisdom of the group, that's pretty important. I've even had people come to me and say, God told me that I was supposed to marry that person. I'm saying, but you're married already, and so are they. And they're going, well, God told me. No, let's check the spirits, the scripture says. Let's bring that to the group. So that's very important. God is not mute, but let's make sure you're listening to him. We also see him involved in those books, in the apostles' ministry, leading them and stopping them. I mean, sometimes Paul says, I wanted to get there, but the spirit restrained me. Or I wanted to get there, but Satan restrained me. And he had the discernment to figure out which, but it's obvious the Spirit leads you where you want to go. He also helps us gain a victory over sin in these books, because let's face it, sin is often fun, and then it becomes destructive. It starts, you know, sin never walks in the door saying, I'd like to ruin your life. I, nobody ever took meth for the first time saying, I hope this prematurely ages me, damages my brain beyond repair, and my teeth fall out. They do, actually, on meth. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not hyperbole. I'll try to throw the hyperbole flag when I'm there. <clears throat> no, they don't. Why do they take it? Because it gives them joy. And then it doesn't. Sin is like that. It's very much like that. So we need help. The Holy Spirit comes in. In Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians, we see the Spirit of God working with the church as a group or the church universal. The Bible speaks to groups. He get, you know, everything from families, then to nation, then the church universal. If God keeps giving you messages that nobody else has ever heard, and you take the church in a whole different way, we need to back up and see who you're listening to. And just make sure that this is God. In the books of Timothy and Titus, we see the Holy Spirit involved in ministry. And by ministry here, I'm more speaking of leadership in churches, but there's an undercurrent there that everybody is leading in ministry somehow because you are Christian. You are a priest. If you didn't know that, you are. Everybody baptized into Christ is a priest. And that's pretty cool. Well, Paul did not spend a whole lot of time on theories about where the Holy Spirit came from and what his exact makeup is. Paul was just very, very practical. Paul was, so what does the Spirit, the Spirit, do to our spirit? The names he gave the Spirit give us our clues. I told you years ago now that at the end of every sermon I hear, or public information lecture, whatever it is, in my head, I ask the question, so what? I do that with my own as well. So what? Is this important enough that we spend time on? And if it is, and we agree that it is, then I ask the second question. So, pause, 
what? If it's important, what am I called to do? What is my reaction? How do I move from this is really great, you know, I love Jesus, to loving people in the name of Jesus? There's got to be a movement there. Paul gives us movement by the way he names the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, he is the Spirit that lives in us. And that's really important, that he doesn't come and go. Now, sometimes the gifts can come and go, and sometimes your feelings can come and go, but the Holy Spirit doesn't move with your feelings. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. We're to move with his feelings. And then the Spirit of grace, Hebrews 10, and I'm cheating here because it's, he probably didn't write Hebrews, but I love Hebrews, so I put it in there. He is the Spirit of grace, and I love that one. He erases sin. He brings grace, and that takes divine power. We can't do it. We cannot erase sin and error, but he can, and he does. He is also the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We know about God because of the Holy Spirit. Work with me here. It was the Holy Spirit that directed the people who wrote Scripture. It was the Holy Spirit that led them through the story. It was the Holy Spirit who supplied power to miracles. When Jesus came, it was the Holy Spirit who descended upon him like a dove, and God spoke to us through Jesus. And Jesus said, the miracles that I do come from the Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the words that I speak come from the Father. So it's all about, everything we know can only be known by education or revelation. If we Sometimes we read, 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 but have you really opened up to the revelation of God, the unfolding of God within your heart? That's who he is. He is also the spirit of adoption, sonship, and the giver of liberty. Just very quickly, um, spoke with one of our dear ladies this morning. It is a very common thing, the death of my father, the death of her mother, we can go on and on here. Many times, people's parents scar them, and then they die without ever giving us a blessing, and every human being needs a blessing. As I said this morning to our dear sister, I said, that's why I'm at Fourth Avenue. These people are my blessing. These people are my family, and these people are the ones who will supply what, what a father could not or what your mother could not. And we all, we all need that kind of place. You know, I was always you know, dad would look at me and just kind of shake his head like, you know, uh, really? That's, that's my kid? Uh, and I asked him once if I was adopted, and he said, yes, but they brought you back. And I'm going, all right, <laughs> fair enough. Didn't help, I asked my mom, was I adopted? And she goes, you have to be patient. We just put the ad in last Wednesday. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been an interesting ride so far. Um, but also the giver of liberty. We are no longer a slave to fear. I don't have to sin, and I don't have to follow over 600 commands out of the Old Testament. I have to love God and love you. That's what I have to do. And the Spirit helps. He is the Spirit of power. I'm sorry, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Find that fascinating that Paul does this. 
Paul doesn't speak to corporate. I mean, he speaks, all of his books are to a group. Got to start there. All of, except Philemon. All of his group, and I guess there are two people there, so that's a group. Uh, he writes to collective, to the community. But when he speaks of discipline, he says, that's on you. You have to be self-disciplined. You have to decide your reaction to whatever's going on. And who gives you the wisdom to do that but the Holy Spirit? Again, you might need the group to direct you, but there it is. Also, he helps us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever read Galatians 5, 22 in there? And it talks about love, grace, joy, peace, and thought, that's a lot to get done today. It really is. It's a garden, though, if you look at Galatians. And, and we might do sometime in late 2020, uh, if I'm still alive and, and able to do this work. Um, I'm not, well, we're all dying, but I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's just God, God willing. How's that? Lord willing, near the end of uh, 2020, we might enter God's garden and take a look at all the things he says to pull out and all the things he says to put on. And there's, it, it's, a, it's a motif through several books, so we could really have some, t- uh, some fun with it. But right now, just know this. Your heart is a garden, and it needs to bear the right fruit. And he is the one who helps us do that in Galatians 5.22. He also causes us to long for heaven. Don't you? Don't you long for heaven? You know, it's, we go 95, 95, 95, 55 rain, and you're going... Oh, there's got to be something. There's going to be something in the middle. And then it rains, rains, rains. Then it doesn't rain for a long time. And then you get old and you look in the mirror and you're going, well, that is unexpected. <laughs> but it's all right because when you walk away, you're going to forget what you saw. Um, it's, it, it'll be fine. You, uh, but you look in and you go, things aren't right. But the real problem is whenever you hear of riots and war and rapes and murders and burglaries and you're going, why? We long for heaven, and he helps us do that. Uh, He also is the guarantor of our resurrection. Uh, In other words, he's the one who raised Jesus, and the Bible says he lives in you, and that power of the resurrection is in you. You are not a dead tree. You are alive. He is also, who is the Spirit? I'm not going to try to define the parameters of who the Holy Spirit is. I don't think that's safe. Frankly, the Holy Spirit is important enough and serious enough in Scripture that you don't just arbitrarily put him in different lanes and boxes. So I'm going to limit myself to what Paul told us. And again, there's a cheat or two in here where I grab from other, other books. The first is he has a close personal relationship with deity. This is not a third-tier or second-tier God we're talking about. In fact, Jesus said something which I'm not really sure I understand. When he said, you can blaspheme the Son and be forgiven. You can blaspheme the Father and be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven you, not in this world nor in the world to come. Now, many of you right now might be thinking, did I do? No, no. If you had done it, you would have known it. Have I ever heard it? A couple times. <laughs> I have. I, I was talking to a man once who believed the devil wrote the Bible. And I'm going, and we're done. 
you know, how, how can I reach you if you, and he really did. Uh, he had a different God, and he thought this is all just a, dis uh, I've talked to people in the pagan world that say that, um, people in the weird religion areas. Josh Graves is now the minister at Otter Creek, but whenever he was um, my, my campus minister, we spent a couple days going around, uh, and he said, we've been to, and he started naming all the different fringe groups, uh, and he said, the only thing we've not been to today is a biker bar. And I said, are you hungry? Uh, we didn't go. But uh, again, I'd, I'd stand out in biker bars for some reason. They, uh, they don't, can't pull that off with authenticity. The Holy Spirit is with the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit's not going to direct you to do anything that Jesus wouldn't say to do. All right? If you hear a voice in the night saying, you know, this is God, and we love 4th Avenue, but Patrick's poisoning the whole pot there. So we'd really appreciate it if you just shot him. I really want you to run that past a few people. And, and ask them, would Jesus do this? Please. He is also a personal, sentient being who can be grieved. In Hebrews, there's that passage that says... We have a great cloud of witnesses. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Don't make him feel like his efforts on you are wasted. Listen and move. Listen and move. There are times he'll tell you to stay. A couple years back, I did a sermon on sheepdogs. And, our, uh, and I talked about Princess, who was our sheepdog uh, in, in the southwest of Scotland. More the, more the west than the southwest, regardless. Any border collie, the hardest thing for them to be told and the hardest thing for them to do is stay. You tell them stay and they start vibrating. It's like, eh, I wasn't built to stay. I wasn't built to stay. Where's the signal? And, and it's, it's a difficult thing to teach them to stay. I'm sure other dogs are, are the same. I don't know those breeds. Sometimes it's hard for me to stay. My email is even traveling need. Uh, one of my relatives said that whenever he dies, they need to nail his feet to the coffin or he'll walk again. We just, we move all the time. And we do that philosophically and theolo uh, theologically and politically. And sometimes God wants you to stay. And other times he wants you to move. But again, take it to the community. Don't upset him. He can inhabit our personal lives. And he does. Um, if you remember, a long time ago, there was a um, movie called Chariots of Fire that came out before many of you were born. Maybe even most of you were born. But it became a classic. And it was about a Scottish runner who went uh, trained for the Olympics. And a Scottish church, the Kirk, as we call it, the Kirk was was looking down on him for enjoying secular pursuits. You weren't supposed to enjoy life. You were to be obedient and miserable until you went to heaven with all the other obedient, miserable people. Not sure what the, what the attraction was there. But anyway, so his preacher talked to him and said, God made you. And his response was, but he also made me fast. And I love that line. Be who God made you to be. Go with the Spirit. Stay with the community. It's a balancing act.
I'm sure he enjoys it when you're, you're doing what you were made to do. He can be resisted. And you see, I, I cheated twice there. I went to John and to Genesis to illustrate the point that Stephen was making before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7. He can be resisted, but he strives. He convicts our heart. You remember, remember that strange story in the Old Testament about Jacob meeting God by the river? And he's called a man, he's called God, it goes back and forth. And they're wrestling. And you think, who would wrestle God? Well, Jacob would, frankly. J uh, Jacob would. And in fact, God then calls his whole people Israel, which means those who wrestle with God. I do. Do you? You're supposed to. It's supposed to be a give and take. It's supposed to be a work on it. And I, and I want you to say to God what Jacob said to God. Because God said, all right, stop. Let go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he blessed him. And he hurt him at the same time. The rest of his life, Jacob would limp. But he was blessed. The leaves on the trees... They turn beautiful, but they're dying, but the tree is not. You see how that motif just keeps working? You are blessed even in your pain if you tell God, I'm not letting you go. When Christ cannot be with us, now let, work with me here. Having the Spirit with us is just as good or even better. Now, again, I cheated. I went to John. I'm going to tell you right now, I, it's hard to get my head around this. I believe it because Jesus said it. I, it's a fact. But I always like to sit back and go, well, how does that work then? But I think I've got one piece of it. If Jesus had never ascended but just lived forever on the planet, to hear Jesus, you would, uh, we could do it electronically now, but for most of history, you would have to go see him. And how are you going to cross an ocean? How are you going to cross the desert to get to God? You can't do it. But when, the, when Jesus leaves and the Spirit descends upon us, no matter where you are on the planet, you can say, Father, and heaven stops to listen. I can remember I was visiting a minister once. It was time for his four-year-old. Oh, we didn't have children at the time. It was time for his four-year-old to go to bed. The pretty little girl went by her bed and she got on her knees and started talking to God. And it hit me pretty hard, and I've not forgotten it in all these years, that all of heaven just stopped so that God could listen to a four-year-old girl. If you're saying, how does that work? Well, it doesn't work down here. It works up there. He, he's not bound by physics and time. And so having the Spirit with us, we don't, it's not location dependent. We can just speak. Well, he is the Spirit of Christ. I love Romans 8. It's just an amazing, amazing chapter. In fact, if, if Paul had stopped after Romans 7, I would have just told you all to go home and I wish you the best of luck. Because it was getting miserable in chapter 7. But then chapter 8, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he begins to talk to us about the Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christ. 
Again, if you hear a message from the Holy Spirit that does not make you act like Jesus, it's not from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in fact, doesn't want us to constantly be talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very powerful, equal with the Father and the Son in every way. And yet he, just like the Father, listened to him. Remember God interrupted uh, a whole celebration once, broke in through heaven and said, this is my son, you listen to him. Again, remember to always put Jesus in front because that's what the Father and the Spirit want. A letter from God written in our hearts. It's amazing, amazing praising in that chapter. And to have Christ is to have the Spirit and to have the Spirit is to have Christ. The one are with each other and with the Father. Um, Mark, I'm going to ask you to bring your team on up and I guess that's me too. Hang about. Um, what I would like to do, do we have the, uh, the scripture? Thank you, Laurie Lee. Laurie, I, we always call her her whole name. You know, um, sorry, Laurie, Mrs. Lee, Miss Lee, uh, our, your reverence, um, <laughs> benevolent potentate. She, she is amazing. I, it, it's the hardest working person I've ever known. Uh, it is, yeah. I'm going to ask you if you please would stand and we'll all read this together. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. All of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in them, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. 